Welcome to the Storytelling with Data podcast, where listeners around the world learn to be better storytellers and presenters. We'll cover a wide range of topics that will help you effectively show and tell your data stories. So get ready to separate yourself from the mess of 3D exploding pie charts and deliver knockout presentations. And with that, here's Alex. Let's kick this episode off with a quick story. Now, recently, I've embarked on this journey to learn how to make bread at home. And my first stop in this effort was to master sourdough. So I've been immersing myself in all things sourdough. I took an online course, read some books, watched countless videos. I'm constantly browsing websites. And every resource I encounter, I learn a number of helpful tips for what I should do. I also see a lot of advice for what I shouldn't do. So things like don't cut into the bread as soon as you take it out of the oven. And don't forget to add a ton of flour to the proofing basket. Now, what do I do? I remember the first time I made a loaf of bread. It took so long. There's so many frustrations at that point that I couldn't help it. I cut into the bread as soon as I took it out of the oven and found that the middle was completely uncooked. Turns out that that additional waiting time, it's not a warning so you don't burn your tongue, but rather it's an important part of the cooking process. When it comes to flouring the proofing baskets, sure, I was adding some flour. I wouldn't say I was adding a ton of flour, and I ruined many other loaves as I was forced to peel my dough out in pieces. And it's not that I wanted to ignore these expert bakers or I thought I knew better. It's just that I didn't understand why these were important steps to take or things to avoid doing. Now, the silver lining for me is that I rarely made the same mistake twice. And that's because we often learn more from our failures than we do from our successes. And I was reminded of this during a recent workshop. So an attendee had come up to me after the session And they asked me, did you ever make any beginner mistakes early on? And I couldn't help but laugh because I thought of all of the silly missteps I had taken early in my data visualization journey. So in this episode, I thought I'd elaborate more on my answer from that workshop. I'm going to take it a step further and also elaborate more on why you should try to avoid them. And my hope is is that in sharing this helpful information, I can help you hasten your learning journey. So let's jump in with my first piece of advice or the most common beginner mistake I see folks make, which is to over-index on decluttering graphs. And so when I talk about decluttering graphs, I'm referring to the process of taking a concerning look at every element on your graph. Things like borders, legends, access lines, text alignment. And you ask yourself, are these things adding informative value? Or are they intuitive to process? And if the answer is no to either of those questions, then you want to delete those elements from your graph entirely or make other changes so that you can warrant keeping them on the page. And I find that people gravitate to this decluttering strategy. It could be because decluttering is something we often employ well beyond data visualization. In fact, as I was describing this process, you may have thought of Home Edit or Marie Kondo. It's also really powerful when you see a busy 
almost chaotic looking graph transform into something that is so simple and straightforward to process. I know for me, when I first saw that, I was bought in and I couldn't wait to start cleaning up my charts. In fact, I can remember one of the first graphs I designed after attending a storytelling with data workshop. I was working for a media agency in the pharmaceutical space, and I was designing this line chart to show the volume of scripts over time. My goal was to highlight that after we had launched this very targeted media campaign, there had been this level shift in the amount of prescriptions. The challenge was, is I was so keen on decluttering that I took it way too far. I had deleted the vertical axis, the vertical title. I even got rid of the graph title and the legend. And I never added that information back in any form. And so I remember when I shared this with the client, they were very nice. And so they came back and they said, you know, slides look great. Do you mind adding some labels there? Because we don't actually know what we're looking at. And so I'll just say lesson learned. I realized at that point that I had taken it too far. And even if you don't swing too far like I had, I do find that people tend to over-index on declutter. They declutter their graphs and then they stop there. And that's problematic because decluttering is never going to be enough in terms of designing an effective visual for communication purposes. I want you to think of it as a pre-step in the process for designing more effective visuals. This is something that the Visual Thinking Lab at Northwestern explored in a white paper that was published in 2021 called Declutter and Focus, Empirically Evaluating Design Guidelines for Effective Data Communication. And the researchers were studying whether or not decluttering and focusing graphs is effective or not. So they provided a single graph. It was a 100% stacked vertical bar chart. And there were seven stacks within these two bars that were shared. The first version was fully cluttered. So if you can imagine, each of the seven stacks had a different color. There were data labels. Those labels were diagonally rotated. There were these dashed lines that connected each of the stacks between the bars There was this gray background shading on the chart. There were borders. It was a very visually heavy chart. Second graph decluttered that cluttered view. And so all of the colors were moved. Instead, gray was used and stacks were then separated by this white border, which blended into the background because the chart background shading was removed. All text alignment and orientations were improved. It was a very simple view of this exact same data. And then the third view took it a step further. They took the decluttered grayscale version and they focused attention. So there was a navy blue title at the top, which highlighted an increase that had taken place across three categories. The same navy blue was used to fill in the specific stacks that were mentioned in the takeaway title. And the goal was to see, do either of these views lead to better recall for the study participants? Now, unsurprisingly, the cluttered and the decluttered view, there was no difference in recall that they could find. However, the decluttered and focused view, that third option that I described, there was a difference. In fact, this had the best recall out of all three charts. They discovered that participants were two and a half to three times more likely to recall the insight in that decluttered and focused view compared to the other options. 
it's actually a super interesting study. And so if you want to check out the white paper, I'll link it in the show notes. I'll also point you to podcast episode 50, where Cole Nussbaumer-Naflick, CEO and founder of Storytelling with Data, chats with the lead researcher on that study and the director of the Visual Thinking Lab, Stephen Frankenary. Now, the second beginner mistake that I often see made is people trying to tell stories with dashboards. And before I elaborate any further, I'll actually share another quick anecdote. Before my time at Storytelling with Data, I was working for an insurance company, and I was tasked with redesigning an hourly sales dashboard. It was a super popular report in the company. Many people refreshed it every single day just to get a sense of whether their efforts were successful or not. So it had a lot of eyes on it. I was fresh off of reading the Storytelling with Data book, and my two main takeaways from the book were that I needed to use less color and use more gray instead to de-emphasize uninteresting data, and second, that I needed to use more active takeaway titles. So rather than just describing what is in a graph, I want to summarize what the insight is in the title. In my mind, this dashboard was the perfect place to test out these new techniques. So my first redesign, I removed all of the color and I just had different shades of gray in all of the charts. I also added these text boxes above each view of the data, which described the insights that I was seeing, as well as just lended some additional context. And so, for example, there was one graph that compared today's sales to the sales of the same day in the previous year. And I remember I had a title that said something to the effect of, Today's sales are much higher than they were last year because last year we experienced a technical issue on this day where the website was down for X number of hours. Now, for any of you that design dashboards or interactive reports that regularly update, you probably already see where I was going wrong here. However, I had absolutely no clue and I was so excited about the changes I was making. It wasn't until the next day when I finally decided to refresh the underlying data that I realized where I had misstepped. As soon as the next day's data was uploaded into the report, my titles made absolutely no sense. And so it's been some time since that exact moment. And now that I work at Storytelling with Data, I have a much better understanding of what I was doing there. And to explain this, I want you to start thinking of the analytical process as having two distinct stages. So the first stage is what is called exploratory analysis. It's the part of the analytical process that I find most people are familiar with. So it's when you're discovering your data, you're looking at different slices or different lenses of your data, combining data sets, you're doing statistical analysis, you're trying to make sense of things, right? You're discovering it, figuring out what's important. Now, the second stage is what's known as explanatory analysis, and this comes after you've explored your data. So you already know what's interesting and what's important, and now you need to communicate it to someone else. So the mistake I often see is that people try to apply explanatory techniques to exploratory materials, or they try to explain their data with exploratory materials. And that just doesn't work because we often need completely different things when we're in each of those stages. And that's actually what I was doing. I was taking these explanatory techniques like focusing attention with sparing use of color and adding takeaway titles to an exploratory dashboard, which just didn't make sense. And to make matters worse, 
as soon as the data refreshed, the story I was trying to tell was completely out of date. And so it needed to be updated. And that's just not realistic to do in a dashboard. If you want another perspective on this, I will point you to Steve Wexler. So he's one of the authors for the very popular big book of dashboards. He also manages the website Data Revelations. And he penned a post that talked about this exact thing where he came to his own conclusions that dashboards, they're not great tools for telling stories. I'll link it in the show notes. My final piece of advice and probably the mistake that I see so many people making is that they fail to realize that they're not always on the same page as their audience when it comes to data visualization. And so just because you've learned a new technique for how to communicate or how to graph your data doesn't mean that your audience is already bought in. And so you should not be surprised if you share that new version of your communication with your audience and they're either confused, they're overwhelmed, or they just flat out reject what you've done. And this happened to me probably one too many times. But the instance that stands out, I was still working at that insurance company and I was preparing some slides for a weekly analysis meeting. So this was a meeting that the analytics team had with the senior leadership in the organization. And it was just time set aside to share any observations or insights we had learned in the previous week. And we're going to use this particular meeting to describe some of the changes that had been made to the website and what their impact had been. So I took this line chart and instead of putting it on a single slide, I decided to animate through it and build it piece by piece. So if you can imagine the first slide, I just had the vertical and the horizontal axis along with the graph title. The second slide, I layered upon that by adding a single data point. Then I added another data point and another data point all the way until I got to this fully annotated line chart. So I was super excited to have the chance to practice animating and presenting data in this way. Unfortunately, I never had the chance to do so because I shared my slides with my director ahead of the meeting and the feedback that I received was to abandon this approach altogether. So the director did not understand why I had copied and pasted the same chart multiple times. They thought it was sort of childish and they told me just to put it on a single slide. They also reminded me that I was communicating to executives who didn't have a lot of patience to go through 10, 20 slides. And so it would be much more efficient if I just got to the main point on a single slide. It was disappointing to hear because I knew I could talk through this rather quickly and I knew it could be effective. And in fact, this is the way that I present data now. That said, if you've never seen this approach, it can certainly look a little strange at first. And for those of you that maybe want to see how this would look in action, I'm going to link to a video in the show notes. Now, where I made the mistake, it's not that I was wrong for wanting to try a new way to present data. It's also not to say that my director was wrong either. There was just such a big knowledge gap between where I stood and where my director stood in terms of presenting data. And I didn't recognize that. I was so excited to try this new technique, not realizing that my director, they've never even heard of this approach. And so just changing things abruptly like that was a recipe for disaster. 
one alternative that you can take is don't try to boil the ocean. Don't try to overhaul everything all at once without any sort of warning. Instead, I highly recommend that you take these baby steps early on. Find small ways to introduce changes. For your audience, it's a lot easier to digest some of these small changes than it is to just overhaul things that have seemingly been working. It also gives your audience an opportunity to learn and to gain confidence in you so that maybe when you want to make some of those bigger changes, you have the ability to do so. For those of you that have made it this far, I thought I'd throw in an extra bonus uh, piece of advice, which is when you're first learning this sort of stuff, don't try to invest or learn a new tool. I think there's a common desire to see a really slick looking chart and think that you need fancy tools to be able to replicate it. And that's that's just not true. In fact, basic tools like Microsoft Excel, Google Sheets, Numbers even can be used to design some pretty impressive and effective charts. Generally speaking, when it comes to tools, I want you to just keep in mind that there is no special tool out there that does all of this for you automatically. Every single tool requires some level of customization and extra formatting to get it to look the way that you want. And that's why early on, my advice is to use the tool that you already know that you're using today, because you're going to have to bend it and get creative with how to make it do the things that you want it to do. And that's just easier when you already have a grasp of the software. And so again, it's sort of in the same vein of don't try and boil the ocean. All right, so hopefully you have found this advice helpful. It's been fun looking down memory lane for myself. If you want to learn more or you want more one-on-one guidance, I highly recommend that you consider attending an upcoming workshop. We've got a ton of public offerings this year, both for graphing data as well as honing your public speaking and presentation skills. And we have both of these in both an in-person and a virtual format. As a special offer for our podcast listeners, you can use the promo code PODCAST10 to receive a 10% discount on these workshops. So I hope I'll see you there. My name's Alex, and I'll catch you next time.